But I realized that I could help people and show them that there is hope, that in your most hopeless times, there is hope. And hope is what kept Bill Hancock pedaling those 500 miles, determined to accomplish his dream of biking across the United States nearly 16 years ago. In his book, Riding with the Blue Moth, Mr. Hancock highlights the significance of the Blue Moth and its special meaning that helped him through an incredibly difficult time in his and his family's lives. Welcome back to the Inside OSU podcast. I'm your host, Kelsey Briggs, and this week we're going to the archives. Bill Hancock is known for becoming the first director of the NCAA Final Four basketball tournament the bowl championship series, and also of the college football playoffs. But first and foremost, he is a loving father, husband, and small-town boy from Hobart, Oklahoma. In this interview, Mr. Hancock highlights his childhood, time spent on his biking journey, and also his roles throughout the NCAA as a director. Here is President Burns Hargis interviewing Mr. Bill Hancock on this episode of the Inside OSU podcast. Well, your uh, your career has continued to prosper, and and uh, a lot of it, it's all, all of it really is attributable to your not only your wonderful manner and, and uh, demeanor, but also your skill. As I thought about this when we were getting ready to do this uh, this interview, uh, it, the NCAA tournament is all about picking which teams get to be in which at which seed and uh, which regional and all that stuff. And uh, and then then you move to uh, the BCS as the uh, I guess I, I thought you were ultimately director. There was some yeah. I was started out as administrator. Administrator. I didn't. I wasn't sure I knew the difference. But yeah. uh, but anyway. <laughs> uh, so you had that job for quite a while. How did that come about? Well, they called me. Uh, the commissioners called me and said we're looking for somebody to manage the BCS. And it's part of how lucky I've been in my career. Every job I've had is because someone has called me to say, we want you to come talk to us about this job. And they call me to say, you, we're interested in looking for somebody to do football. Well, as an Oklahoma person, I love college football. And I was delighted to go talk to them about it. Um, I've done more in my career than I ever, ever dreamed of when I was back in Hobart. The BCS was a challenge for all of us. But I'll tell you, history will look fondly on the BCS because it did great things for college football. Well, it gave us a chance, a guarantee that number one and two would meet in a bowl game, which yeah. almost never happened before. And if it did, it was lucky. Right. And the BCS, of course, without the BCS, we wouldn't have the playoff that we have today. And how long did we have the BCS? 16 years. And uh, that's, that was headquartered. Then you had to move to Dallas, right? Right. We started, we started the playoff, and I ran the BCS out of my home, actually, in Kansas City. And when we started the playoff, uh, we knew we had to have a staff, and we decided we wanted to be in a city where there was a, one of our games. And Dallas was a perfect choice. Uh, Dallas has got so much going on. This around. was your play game in the BCS, the BCF. The game uh, when we started playoff. the playoff. Yeah. Yeah, when we started the playoff. So we, we, st we opened our office in Dallas for the playoff in 2013. In the winter yeah. of 2013. Uh, but, and so now you're back to picking teams to, uh, to be in it. I guess the BCS worked off of polls, right? Yep, but computer polls and human polls. And those were okay, but we needed real human in intuition and, and, and in integrity where they could dig deep and figure out the teams. And we have such a great committee that you know them all. They, they're people of high integrity. They're honored to be a part of it. 
When did the when, when did the seed germinate about this idea of a football playoff, a four-team playoff? Yeah, good question. Seed did uh, germinate back in 2011 as we were nearing the end of the fourth four-year BCS cycle. The BCS lived on four-year cycles, and in 2011 we were looking new, looking to decide whether we wanted to renew the BCS or doing do something different. And we being the commissioners of we all the leagues. We being the conference commissioners. Are, we have two boards. We have university presidents. And by the way, to the listeners, to the audience, we're proud to have Burns on our board. We have the best minds in college, higher education on this board, including Burns. And our, our next level down board is conference commissioners. And it was the commissioners who started the impetus to do something different with the support of the presidents. And we worked. So this was in October 2011. We worked through the spring of 2012 and finished up and came up with a playoff and announced it in June of 2012. Oh, and why, uh, why was four teams picked? We had a whole spectrum of options. We looked at everything from go back to, the, to nothing, go back to the old bowl system without any attempt to match one and two, all the way across to keep the BCS, to four-team tournament, to eight and 16. And we eliminated eight and 16 pretty quickly because of the uh, demands on the student athletes and, and how to really how to fit it into uh, a big playoff into the academic calendar. Yeah. And we settled on four as a way to give the fans the bracket they wanted and also preserve the importance of the regular season. We have the best regular season in sports. We didn't want to do anything to erode that. Uh, and then also we wanted to keep the bowl, the bowl experience for the teams that didn't make the playoff. So yeah. there were those three things. Let's talk a little bit about your Western Oklahoma boy from the short grass country there in Hobart. Uh, your dad was a newspaper guy, wasn't he? Yeah, my dad owned the, and published the paper in Hobart, and I wouldn't trade growing up that way for anything. I wouldn't trade my life with anybody's because being a newspaper kid, you learn how to read, you have a job. I got a paper out when I was nine, and the best promotion I ever had was getting promoted to janitor when I was 13 years old. I wrote a column all through high school. Wouldn't trade with anybody. So you got ink under your fingernails then, and you've never fully gotten rid of it, yeah. I guess. Yeah, when you know how to read and write, that opens a lot of doors for you in the world. Of course, you went off to the University of Oklahoma and what, what, and majored in journalism, uh, but what, what was your ambition? What, was, what, what would be the pinnacle of your career, did you think? I, I thought that probably to be a sports writer for the Daily Oklahoman. Now, along the way in there somewhere, you married your, your high school sweetheart, didn't you? I did, yeah. My, the best girl I've ever known, my best friend. We're, we're heading for 48 years of marriage uh, this summer. Don't get, don't get too comfortable. I don't get too comfortable. <laughs> uh, her grandfather said this, I love this. 48 years is a long time to live with somebody you're not any kin to. <laughs> well, I'm 47, so okay. I, I, not, not my age, my, my years of marriage. Yeah, my wife was a high school English teacher. Uh, she was a, taught senior English for 30 years, and she was the mean old Mrs. Hancock that the, that the juniors would say, oh, you don't want her. But then after they went off to college, they would come trooping back to her and say, Mrs. Hancock, thank you so much. You prepared me for college. All right. And uh, you had kids along the way, right? Yeah, we had kids pretty early. Uh, Will had worked here at OSU, of course, and then his little brother, Nate. Of course, Will came, to, came here to Oklahoma State. Well, you know, I have, I'm a Sooner and proud to be a Sooner, but always loved OSU. And my wife's family were OSU people. And so I always, I just felt like I was a cowboy. And when Will, <clears throat> excuse me, when Will <clears throat> got the opportunity to come here and work, 
it was a dream come true for us, getting to come back to Oklahoma, being with a big-time athletic department, back home for all of us. And so we were thrilled. Well, you mentioned uh, the plane crash, and of course that's <clears throat> clearly one of the darkest times in this university's life, and certainly yours. I was very uh, impressed with the way you dealt with that. Uh, and why don't you talk a little bit about that in your, your book, Riding with the Blue Moth? Well, yeah, thank you, Burns, for asking about that. Um, we love OSU, we love this community, and we love it for many reasons, but in, in a big part because of the way that they took care of us. Uh, the way that Jim Halligan and Terry Don Phillips and Mike Holder and that, peep, that bunch, Dave Martin, Susie Burks, the way they all reached out and took care of us. There's no manual at a university for dealing what, for, with what this school had to go through with us and then with Kurt and then with the parade. And there's no manual. You operate by your heart and this university has such a great heart. They just knew what to do. And we got through it. I mean, I was paralyzed for three, four months and, and saw no hope. And people here and people in Hobart and people in our athletic community kept saying, we know, we love you. They didn't say, it'll, it'll get better. Nobody ever said it'll get better. They said, we love you. You know, let us know what, what you can do for us. The university, the state just hugged us and said, we're here for you. Now talk about your, uh, talk about your therapeutic uh, ride. Yeah, one thing that when I got over the immediate paralysis that three or four months, I realized that because we had lost Will, it was a great reminder that life is very short. And if you have dreams, you better go grab them while you can. And one of my dreams had been seeing if I could ride my bicycle across the country. So I went out to California, took off and, and did it. Rode across Oklahoma from Hollis to Hobart to Fort Cobb to Purcell, Atoka down to Broken Bow and out into Arkansas. And wound up writing a book about it. And the book um, came about as a result of several emails that I sent to our daughter-in-law Karen and our Will's wife and, and people in the family. And, and a pu book publisher got a hold of it and said, you gotta write a book about this. This was like 2004? 2004, 2004 so. five, yep. And I said, I don't, want to, I don't want to do that. And then I remembered a Sunday school lesson, not to get churchy here, but uh, Lord make me an instrument. And I remember when I was a kid, when, I, when they taught us that in Sunday school, I thought I was asking God to make me a piano or a sax <laughs> or clarinet or something. Right, right. But I realized that I could help people. And so the book, Writing with the Blue Moth, is there to help people and show them that there is hope, that in your most hopeless times, there is hope. And if you, if you need a proof of hope, look at the Hancock family. And well, well, that's we, why we have a book. We all want to know where the title, what the, yeah. who is the blue moth? The blue moth is a creature that I created to describe the grief. And it comes from, it's a knockoff on Blue Norther, that weather phenomenon yeah. that we have in Oklahoma. Right. And when I was a kid, my grandmother, she had a strong Oklahoma accent. I have a strong Oklahoma accent. I know it. I'm, I'm proud of it. I'm, I'll never get rid of it. But she would say, we're going to have a Blue Nava tomorrow. And I thought she was saying Blue Moth. Blue Nava sounded to yeah. me like yeah. Blue Moth. And it scared the dickens out of me because I didn't want any kind of Blue Moth. Yeah. <laughs> but the, but the, the, the term is from the roller coaster nature of grief. You will be feeling like you're at the top when you're at the top of the roller coaster. Hey, I can make it. And then the next day you go right to the bottom and you'll say there's no hope. And then you go up and down. Well, that's the way the winter storms are in Oklahoma. You know, you get one, it goes away, you go back up to 80 the next day. It's from the roller coaster. 
and the blue moth was a perfect metaphor for me of grief. So the, when, when I describe, I'm, I, I get sad, I still get sad, sure. a lot. And, and I will say to our family, hey, the blue moth is here today. Yeah. And just give me a break and tomorrow I'll be okay. The blue moth will go away. Yeah. And that's where riding with the blue moth came from. Yeah. There was a time when I thought nobody will remember Will, that he's gone yeah. and nobody will remember him. And people at OSU kept saying, those three words, and it's not a cliche. No, it sure is. Isn't. We will remember, and they saved our lives. This university saved our lives, and you know, three words. It sounds silly, but three words were so important. We will remember. Nearly 20 years later, we are still remembering and celebrating the lives of those 10 individuals through memorial runs and the memorial in Gallagher Iba Arena. I would like to thank Mr. Hancock for speaking with us this week. Be sure to check out his book, Riding with the Blue Moth, a book that could change your attitude towards sorrow and turn it into something positive. That's all we have for this week's Inside OSU podcast. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. I'm Kelsey Briggs. Stay safe, and as always, go Pokes!